we're doing it right now. Um, and that's the hydrogen, or is that just? It's it's everything what we do. I mean, you know, the our boldest ideas we can't say now, honestly. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. really. But uh, you know, I truly mean it. You know, I'm one of the most fortunate people. We are some of the most fortunate people in the world to love what we do. You know, and and to be my, my son. You know, Carter Carter Lowry. I'll, I'll do a. And on Elise Lowry to my daughter, I can't not name drop her. I'll be in <laughs> deep, you know what? But uh, he asks me, and he says, "Make sure they download the podcast." Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm always talking hydrogen, hydrogen, natural gas, hydrogen emissions, you know. And, and I, I love it. And, and he's like, "Man, wow, were you always so interested in the environment?" Our mission, and we choose to accept it, is zero injuries and zero environmental impact. A healthy workforce and environment is key to our nation's continued success. The Mission Zero podcast is a deep dive with the industry's top experts into the health, safety and environmental aspects of today's workplace. Our mission is to be a platform for new ideas and strategies that, when implemented, will improve our safety, our environment and how we govern our business. We are making the world safer and we're going to have fun doing it. Okay, welcome everybody back to another edition of uh, Mission Zero podcast. Today we have the Vice President and Director of Product Placement for ACT. ACT is a cryogenic equipment manufacturer here in Houston. Doing some pretty uh, amazing things in that world. Uh, um, also, I'll be remiss to mention I got Justin Overstreet being my uh, wonderful co-host here today from Wildcat Oil Tools. Thank you for being here, Justin. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for for coming on board and uh, letting us know a little bit about what you're doing and, and some pretty great technology. So uh, absolutely, thank you for having us. Uh, Tim, I'll start with you. Uh, just every, so everyone knows, I've known you for about 20 years now. So it seems like longer. Seems longer, <laughs> but I've known Tim for twenty years, and this is uh, it's great on both levels to have you on, man. Because yeah, you know you have a guy that's out there building incredible things, who's also you were in his wedding, and 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 that's, right. uh, and that's really that's really cool to 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 experience. So I'm glad, really glad you're here. But uh, we're here to talk about ACT. We're here to talk about it's the amazing technology you guys have, uh, why it's um, promoting and and, and furthering. Uh, cleaner natural gas and, and how you're doing it safely. So real quickly, though, before we get into all of that, Tim, if you could just give a little bit about your background, kind of what got you here and, and, and why you, you know, why did ACT begin? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, once again, thank you both, Justin, Jeff, for, uh, for having Adam and I on the show. Um, congratulations on the podcast. Thank uh, you. It's, it's excellent. We're, we're definitely big fans and uh, we're, we're excited and a little nervous to be here, but we appreciate it. <laughs> Um, as you mentioned, Tim Lowry, uh, Vice President of uh, Sales and Marketing for Applied Cryotechnologies. Uh, ACT is uh, headquartered here in Houston, Texas. Um, we've got a 175,000 square foot facility uh, located uh, not far from Hobby Airport, as, as a matter of fact. And we employ uh, just over 200 people. Um, we're, we're an equipment manufacturer, as you mentioned. Um, we're really mobile cryogenic uh, application equipment experts, if you will. Um, the way I describe ACT is really um, definitely a collection of industry experts, but really um, an engineering firm with, uh, with mass manufacturing capabilities. 
So I mentioned 175,000 square feet, 135,000 square feet of that is crane served. Um, 95% of the equipment that we build is, is built in-house. We're, we're vertically integrated. Um, and when I say mobile cryogenic applications, that's uh, liquid hydrogen, liquid natural gas, um, liquid nitrogen, oxygen, um, argon, um, and other cryogenic gases, ethane, ethylene. Um, that's kind of our forte, and we manufacture tanks ranging from 500 gallons all the way to 50,000 gallons uh, or more. Um, and that's uh, anything for storage and distribution of cryogenic gases. So that's stationary tanks all the way to liquid hydrogen uh, trailers or liquid natural gas trailers. And then in addition to that, we're also really a, a turnkey system provider. Uh, and Adam will mention some of the projects that we worked on over the last nine years now um, in the LNG industry. And as I mentioned, we're also um, with hydrogen the way it is, uh, getting more and more into, uh, into the hydrogen economy and trying to build out that infrastructure. My role with ACT um, is vice president of sales marketing. We've been uh, incorporated since 2012. Um, and uh, I'm joined with my, uh, my, basically my right arm. Adam wears a lot of hats, but uh, he's director of product development uh, today, today, <laughs> today. That's right, and uh, and he runs the sales department with me. So uh, Adam and I are there on the front lines, um, kind of the tip of the spear in the industry, um, taking data from the customers, information from the market, and then uh, designing solutions around that. Okay, so nine years ago, form ACT was formed nine years ago. Okay, right. Um, Adam, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. Sure. So uh, I got into cryogenic equipment. Uh, manufacturing as a mechanical engineer uh, about 15 years ago. And my background from that was uh, I kind of gravitated into the thermal fluid side of my field. So I was doing a lot of process design, um, you know, putting, uh, getting into the sales side of it as well, uh, designing and selling equipment for customers, coming up with solutions. Uh, met these guys about, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or more. And uh, we were collaborating on a lot of different types of projects, and uh, I really found a, a huge opportunity with ACT. So um, shortly thereafter, I, I started working for them, and uh, shortly after that, I made the move out to, to Houston from where I was living in, in California. So uh, going to school at Cal Poly, uh, our philosophy was learned by doing, so that's a lot of what I carried to, uh, to the team. Fantastic and, school, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Not a lot of people know of uh, the Pomona campus, yeah. but plus the weather out there is just terrible. So getting here to Houston, uh, yeah, a big welcome. <laughs> well, thank you, and, and thanks for having us on the show. I do appreciate it. Well, great. Um, if you guys, uh, you know, I would like you to talk a lot about, you know, about what you do exactly, uh, what you're building. You know, that obviously we heard just heard from Tim. There's a there's a service aspect to that as well, right? You're not just building things. First question. Give us a rundown of what your, I guess, what would be your primary uh, product is. I'll let either one of you answer that question. And also remember, uh, remember in your engineering brains, the audience is not all engineers. So yep. try to keep it as, uh, you know, as a layman as you possibly can. But which, whatever, whichever one wants to go, go ahead. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Adam uh, kick off on the LNG sure, side, but sure. I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm not an engineer, so I'll, I'll dumb it down for all of us. Don't worry. <laughs> Sure. So cryogenics and, and what everybody thinks of is freezing heads. But, you know, what it really boils down to is shrinking uh, gases down to a liquid state so that you can move more molecules in, in a, you know, greater payloads. More economical. Uh, so it's, it's more economical. 
for in the case of industrial gases, you're using uh, liquid plants that are that are taking air and liquefying it. Um, in the case of LNG and hydrogen, you're taking those gases and liquefying them uh, by cooling them. So you cool them down to the point where they li liquefy at an atmospheric pressure, and now you can store it in a cryogenic tank that is uh, super insulated, much like the new thermos bottles that everybody's familiar with. They're vacuum insulated. And, uh, you know, you're storing that, that thermal energy there uh, so that you can then transfer that. And our, our focus is mobile equipment, like Tim said. So uh, cryogenic transport trailers are, are predominantly what we build. Um, and that's mm -hmm. basically taking liquid from a, a, an on-site tank where they're producing it and hauling it to uh, either a distribution point or a point of use. A good example of that, I'll jump in there, would be like liquid oxygen with, with COVID. Uh, everybody sure had a very challenging year last year and, and uh, continue to do so with things related to COVID. Well, obviously hospitals in need of oxygen. So um, many of our customers, we serve the industrial gas industry, uh, your major gas suppliers. Adam mentioned the uh, air separation plants where they'll literally take the molecules out of the air and then cool them down and separate those and turn it into liquid oxygen or argon or nitrogen. Um, so the, the oxygen side of our business uh, last year uh, and continues to uh, this year was extremely busy, whether it be on the new production side uh, or the repair side. We also own a, a pretty extensive uh, repair and refurbishment department at ACT. So who are your customers for the oxygen? Uh, you like your air liquids, your, oh. your, your Matheson trigases, your air products, um, Messer. But what was the connection? Lindy. Why did the, it pick up last year? Um, maybe I'm missing something there. Uh, oxygen for hospitals. Right? Also, because the hospitals were the, right, there were, there were the demand for oxygen. Uh, okay. Was up. So, you know, you go to the, you go to, hopefully, you know, we don't go to the hospital too often. But uh, when we go or drive by one, um, you'll see large vertical cryogenic tanks. Um, so we, we manufacture those style of tanks. And then the trailers that, that deliver the liquid oxygen in cryogenic form um, will then fill those tanks. And then those tanks are hooked up to the hospital distribution network. Nice. When you guys are manufacturing those um, vessels, it, are there specific standards that medical grade gases have to be, the, the vessels have to be manufactured to for medical grade gases versus just your standard, maybe, you know, beverage grade or, or industrial grade gases? Is there a certain standard for that equipment that has to be met or is or there, there pretty is. much across the board? No, no, there is. There is. Um, the, the material of the inner vessel um, plays a, there's, there's requirements around that, a medical grade. Um, and then it's really your, your O2 oxygen cleaning procedures mm -hmm. for that inner vessel. So there's, there's different processes in place of the, of throughout the production process, um, where, where the different phases of production take place, where certain cleaning takes place of the inner vessel. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's where that would come into play in regard yeah. to that. Generally oxygen as a component itself is so volatile that you have to, um, follow these industry standard oxygen cleaning procedures uh, because it will react with any kind of uh, lubrication or, or, you know, grease or, or anything contaminant particulates that's left in there. Mm -hmm. Any source of ignition will cause it to ignite. So aside from being medical grade, it has its own safety caveats that you have to take sure. into consideration. So uh, that that's kind of a general blanket spec that covers most of the uh, most of the uses that you would see. Now, for the, the oxygen itself, that does have a separate set of specifications sure, for medical grade, right. so the purity level and, and such. 
Well, that's cool. Um, you know, a lot of companies pivoted to to help the crisis we were in last year, and that's really Definitely. great to hear that you guys were able to do we, that we, as well. We just woke up in the crisis. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Um, but in a, let's just say times are normal. Um, who who is your biggest t- typical customer? Um, what are you What are you building for them, and and and, and what your typical customer? Well, without mentioning any any particular customer, um, I mean, yeah, no, industry, I, I have industry yep, yeah. no, I gotcha. Um, you know, it varies. Uh, industrial gas is a huge part of our business. Um, liquid at the LNG part of our business is huge, uh, especially uh, over the last twelve months. Kept Adam very very busy. Um, so I would say those two, and then hydrogen. Uh, the hydrogen, you know, just I, I call this the decade of hydrogen. Um, you know, why? Well, you know, I don't know if you, you watched the, the uh, president's address. I think it was last night, but I don't know the exact number, but it's a $1.2 trillion spending plan or I, I, I get lost after a million, but a lot of money they're going to be spending on clean energy. Uh, the Paris climate accord, you know, the U S is back in, in that. Um, so there's a big push from, from the administration, uh, and, and, uh, you know, geopolitical pressures and to, private uh, funding as and, well, and certainly private funding to, to come up with. Uh, and to develop uh, hydrogen infrastructure, so ACT is uh, playing a, a major role in that. And, Very cool. Um, you know, hi- LA, hydrogen is a, is a crowdgen, right? So that's yeah. right within our wheelhouse. So that's that's the reason why that put up my spidey senses is, you know, David Reed, the VP of Marketing Technology from NOV, was here, and he mentioned that, and it it caught me off guard because it's not real. Or I guess before the president's speech, I don't know if he mentioned hydrogen specifically. But it hasn't been hugely in the news or any kind of reading I've done. But it's kind of mm-hmm. that's the second time I've heard it from behind the scenes people. So that's mm-hmm. that's another one that's coming, right? The mm-hmm. the big money is now behind the absolutely know, it's behind these things. Oh right? yeah, yeah. You see it from so many different angles. Okay, that the money is behind it. Mm-hmm. So you, you're building these tanks. Uh, you know, you, it sounds like there's about eight or nine different types of things you're compressing and and, and freezing to, to travel across. The country, and, and just a point of, and sorry to correct you. No, I wouldn't do that on on uh, on your show. But uh, compression, <laughs> we're, we're we're cryogenics, and there, there's a big difference. Really. Okay, um, you know, we're not compressing the gas; we're liquefying it. Okay, uh, compressed gas goes down the road at extremely high pressures relative to what we build. Right, you know, our thousands our, of psi versus correct. a few dozen yeah. psi. Right, yeah. that's right. So uh, it is different with cryogenics. Um, to Adam's point earlier you're able to transport it more economically because I, I have the hydrogen number in my mind, you know, the, the ratio it, it's 850 to one, right? So mm-hmm. think of, uh, you know, the, the liquid that you could hold in a ping pong ball would take up the mass of a beach ball in it's gas state, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a significant difference. Um, so, so transporting would be impossible without your equipment, right? Or nearly it's, impossible. It's, it's nearly, in, in yeah, it's form, much, right? much more economical to haul in liquid. Okay, and that's generally the case. And most of the uh, most of the tanks are there for road road tanks, right? They're transmodal. They're they're on the highways. That's correct. And we do uh, what we call mobile storage units, or what we call industry uh, term is a queen unit, queen storage unit, which is basically a mobile vessel that's oversized, such that its empty weight is near the max um, gross vehicular weight allowance. So you basically can move it empty, but then you can park it at a location and use it as a mobile storage customer station, if you will. So it's a, it's a portable storage device. Yes, exactly. And then we also do uh, stationary storage tanks as well. Okay. Okay. And 
you know, to go back to this being a, you know, this podcast is focused on safety, it's focused on environmental and, and all these things. Um, you know, one thing that comes up, and I guess it was a topic that did come up along with the Keystone Pipeline, right? That people are concerned with safety, they're concerned with the environment. Is this thing going to break? Is it going to leak? In reality, you know, being around the the oil oil industry as much as I am, I know it's safer. The Keystone's mm-hmm. actually safer than most other modes of transport. Right. Um, what you know, if someone was to ask you the question, you know, what are you how what aspects of your tanks? What makes them? I guess nothing's immune to anything, but what makes them safe, you know, in the case of accidents and, you know, we can't help that on the road, right? If in case of an accident, a case, something like that, what are the, um, what are the designs that you put into this product or this tank to, to make it safe? Well, the, the code of federal regulations is kind of the Bible for, um, anything that's going over the road. Um, DMT, ASME, yeah, vessels. known, known uh, codes and standards for equipment based on the experience and history that we've had uh, and collected, you know, all, on all the safety related um, to, to generate the requirements for how these uh, mobile, mobile storage and transport units are manufactured. Um, so there's a lot that can be gleaned from that. Obviously, we have our own uh, proprietary and, and, you know, specific ways of doing things uh, to protect it. But Basically, you have, uh, you know, fire block valves on uh, tanks hauling flammable liquids so that if any piping was sheared off, uh, there's automatic valves that can be manually or automatically tripped uh, to shut off flow so that that nothing else is coming out of the tank and Mm -hmm. and leaking all over the place. Um, One of the other points, just a general safety term as far as cryogenic fluids, is that you don't have any spills. Anything that comes out is going to evaporate and disperse in vapor form. So it will transfer heat from the surrounding environment into the fluid and it will all boil off into vapor and, and evaporate. So that's one of the benefits of, uh, of these liquid fuels. So a drawback to that though, uh, could be like oxygen displacement though. So if you had an incident that was in a, in a, not a confined space by definition, but a, mm-hmm. in a building, mm-hmm. uh, if you had a, a, something sheer, you could have oxygen displaced sufficient enough that it could create you know, an unlivable atmosphere. So absolutely, uh, obviously that's something to, to consider as well. Right? Certain, yeah. Certainly, you know, and uh, that's absolutely correct and a, and a great point. You know, all, all of our equipment is, is, is outside, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you can't have instances where, you know, you'll have a collection of gases where, you know, whether it be nitrogen, right, where it can literally remove all the oxygen like right up from in front of you and, and you pass out. Um, so, you know, all kinds of dangers related to, to handling, you know, cryogenic gases. Um, but from an over-the-road standpoint and, uh, you know, impacts, you know, anything from a side impact guard, which we've done for some customers. And, and, and then Adam mentioned the, the fire block valve. It's a pretty, pretty cool piece of uh, a pretty – I've always thought it was a neat piece of technology. If, uh, if there is a fire, there's a fusible link inside this fire block, and it's just what it sounds like, a fire block, right? There's a penetration going into that inner vessel where the liquid is stored, um, and that valve will fail closed to basically keep it contained inside the tank. Um, and then uh, if you, as Adam mentioned, it's like a thermos or a Yeti cup, if you will. I'm not sure if they, they sponsor the show just yet, but they should. <laughs> but uh, it's just a big-ass thermos, right? Yeah. So it, when you, when you, if you have some, you know, crash into the side of that outer vessel mm-hmm. and you lose vacuum, which we can maybe touch on here in a moment, but a thermos is, is it's a vacuum-jacketed thermos, um, you know, that, that liquid starts to boil. Well, there's, we're, we're an ASME certified facility, right? 
So, you know, a pressure vessel is a bomb. Real quick, what, just for the audience, what is that? ASM? Uh, Go ahead. American Society of Mechanical Engineers. Right. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Right. So the, 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 the design of our bottle and the, and the vent stack that comes out of that bottle is designed to where if you have a catastrophic, catastrophic loss of vacuum, which will then result in the, the liquid boiling, turning into a gas expanding back to that, you know, up to 850 times, um, it's got to go somewhere, right? It's got to go out that vent stack. So our vent calculations are, um, are, are designed and engineered to, uh, for that very instance. Yeah, and with that expansion, you can get you know, blevy or whatever, right? So a huge cloud that just ignites spontaneously right. and consumes everything in it. Right. And many of the, the gases are lighter than air, so they will sure. naturally rise, um, you know, especially, you know, in any kind of outdoor environment. Some that are heavier that will, you know, kind of lay in blanket low to the ground, uh, but not not the case with hydrogen or natural gas. So sure. liquefied natural gas uh, and liquid hydrogen would both evaporate and go up. So you guys have been doing this for nine years, and it's now we're starting to see really the revolution, right? We've been told that the the next generation of energy is, is coming. For We've been telling it for a long time. It's coming now. Mm-hmm. Um, you may know, you may not know, the United States is actually, the emissions have been lowering for a long time yeah, now. And it's a, it's, a, it's it, I don't think the general public does. Like, not, not everyone listening will. Right. You know, you guys are in the natural gas in business. What 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 is the exact difference? What is why is natural? How much cleaner is natural gas? Is it is it you know? Can you define that a little bit? Sure. I mean, as, as a fuel source, it's thirty roughly thirty percent uh, less polluted than than any other uh, diesel, gasoline, petro uh, petrol based fuel. Um, and you know, in addition to that, the, there's a huge cost savings to use natural gas as well. Um, I think a lot of people misunderstand it. And in fact, you know, I've, I've read quite a bit regarding it's, uh, it's contributing a majority of the benefit in carbon reduction over any other technology. Mm-hmm. So worldwide. So, you know, the, the fact that it's abundant renewable and we're able to uh, economically use it as a bridge fuel to get to this next step where we're going to the zero emission. Right. Uh, you know, it just makes so much sense uh, for our customers uh, who are out in the middle of nowhere running off of a propane tank or running off a heavy fuel oil tank um, to switch them over to LNG. And it's it's kind of a hard sell to uh, to get someone off of what they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But um, but you're also fighting at two fronts because you've got all the regulatory side trying to kind of suppress it because they view it as a fossil fuel. They don't like it. Uh, they just kind of chalk it up as a you know, it's another, another contributor. And then they give another black eye to it with regard to fugitive emissions. And, you know, that, that's something that I could expand on now. We could touch on it later, but you know, we, we do a lot to make sure that we don't have any fugitive emissions. Can and what I, that? yeah, exactly. What, what I mean when I say that is, uh, leaks basically venting, um, or even intentional venting. So, uh, some, some cases, you know, you'll hear, hear stories of somebody pulling off on the side of the road because their tank pressure is too high and, you know, venting the gas, you know, that, that's not the type of practices that we, uh, that we follow or, or, you know, want to promote, you know, we, we seek to do everything in the opposite direction, uh, recovering right. vapor out of the tank. So if a tank's sitting for, for too long, you know, your drinks in your thermos bottle, it'll stay cold for a day. You leave it there for three, four days, it's probably going to get warm. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with these cryogenic tanks. You leave the fluid in there long enough, it's going to start to build pressure because it, is now warming up to the point where it wants to be a gas again. 
So it starts forming a big gas pocket in the top of the tank. And then as time goes on, that pressure starts to build. And we have some different means of recovering that, that vapor using that gas, uh, you know, for, for either storage and, and reuse or putting it to some other purpose. Uh, so that's just one of the ways that, that we reduce fugitive emissions. And there's a lot of others. It, you know, that's a good, good point. You know, a nice segue. The, the construction, just to explain to the audience, you know, very few people have seen it inside a cryogenic tank. You know, people have been in the cryogenic industry for, you know, 30 plus years and, and they've never seen the inside of the tank. You know, we get to do it every day. And, uh, you know, just to try to, I guess, articulate what, what that looks like. You know, it's an inner vessel, stainless steel, you know, comes in as, as flat sheet or plate. You know, we'll roll it, we'll tack it, we'll start to weld those pieces together to form the shell. Um, you know, put those, put the, the end caps on or the heads, if you will, create the inner vessel. Um, and then we'll, we'll super insulate that. Um, we'll wrap that with super insulation is, is a combination of paper and foil. Uh, it looks just like what you, you'll see in your kitchen. Uh, slightly different, but not, not much. Um, and then we'll wrap that depends on what it is. And it could be anywhere from 30 to, to 60 times. It just depends on the size and the type of equipment we're, that we're building. And then uh, at the same time, we're manufacturing the outer vessel um, part. You hold it with your hand on the, on the thermos. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll, we'll nest, we'll super insulate the inner vessel. Then we'll nest that into the outer um, and then put the outer heads on. And then we'll put a vacuum pump over there and pull the vacuum out. So think of it like uh you know, we call it the annular space or that void space in between the inner and the outer. And there's a bunch of molecules in there running into it, each other. And you clap your hands a lot. You start to get that heat. You know, you're pushing molecules together. So we pull those molecules out because we remove the medium for heat to transfer to that inner vessel. So Adam mentioned we put, you know, you, you have your drink filled up day one. It's cold. It starts to warm up. As it warms up, it's turning into gas. You're, it's inside a pressure vessel. You know, ultimately they're designed to vent atmosphere so that you don't have a bomb in your hands right mm-hmm. they're designed to do that but the there's no uh mechanical necessarily sometimes there is but 99 percent of the time there's no mechanical process to keep that cool that liquid cool we're just protecting the temperature of the liquid so that super insulation works as as, as a way as a radiation barrier as a radiation barrier. so you have right. you know you have uh heat heat that could conduct uh, through the materials by pulling the air out, you're making it a vacuum. It's like outer space. The only way that heat's going to move through outer space is, is radiation, which is light waves of different spectrums, right? So, uh, so the radiation barriers are, are the, the foil and paper layers um, that prevent any of that radiation mm-hmm. energy from coming in. And I've seen it. It's impressive. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is a layered and well, I mean, there's a lot of parts to this. And mm-hmm. I've seen it. Uh, I've been lucky enough to see the the process of of them being built and seeing all how, how you kind of just said it's a it's a tank inside of a tank really mm-hmm. so <clears throat> brings me to a question if i were to shoot the tank with a gun what happens most likely nothing the uh, most texas question you could ask yeah everybody it, wants to know it's no, a fantastic it, it, everybody a good wants one. to know uh i mean we we've had uh <laughs> enough experience the movies real? doing repair uh with terminator 2 that that's my yeah. next question <laughs> yeah so, I mean, I, I think uh, one of the trucks had, had flipped and, and slid sideways at 60 miles an hour and, and hit a, a concrete wall and never lost vacuum. Um, aside from that, I mean, impacts, uh, many instances of, of impacts with heavy equipment um, and other things that, that have been reported. 
with our equipment that we're aware of because we have a repair shop as well. Um, and, and we rarely see any, any, uh, significant, um, damage to the outer vessel. Um, if you use a large enough caliber, you could probably get through, but, yeah. uh, but no explosion, say, no yeah, explosion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's a good point. Adam's talking about <laughs> penetration to the actually, vessel, actually you know, getting, the, yeah. the, you know, as far as LNG, you, you could put liquid natural gas in here, you know, a big bucket of, of LNG and drop a match in there and it, the match mm-hmm. goes out. Okay. Right. It, 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 yeah. Well, not no, enough b- to because in it, for LNG, it has to be in a gaseous state for it to oh, be combustible. Yeah. Liquid right? natural gas. Correct. Right. So when yeah. when it's in liquid form, it's actually uh, incombustible. Yeah. Correct. So it, it needs to be in a certain air fuel ratio. That's a pretty tight band. So uh, the liquid fuel won't burn. You can put a flame right in it. It'll just douse it out. Um, it needs to vaporize and mix with enough oxygen to be in enough fuel to oxygen ratio that it will combust or be, yeah, be, with an ignition right. source. So are you making equipment where I can literally freeze a man into ice and break him apart? Is that real? I mean, you can do if that, you you can do to, that you tomorrow. Could. If you want to Good come over. To know. Good to know. <laughs> I'm not um, your guy for that. Yeah. <laughs> have to make sure the safety manager's off to lunch. But, uh. <laughs> um, so th- these are on the road. Um, I was incredibly impressed, and, and I'll let you talk about other projects as well. I was incredibly impressed with a project I, I saw you guys do. It was it was a ship that was running off of natural gas. You guys built the internal container, and I guess, um, I mean, you built everything, right, for the ship to a, run off natural gas. It was a temporary fueling system, basically, mm-hmm. uh, for, for fueling the ship. So yeah. they, were, uh, they were working on a permanent what they call bunkering, which is basically fueling uh, from ship from shore to ship. Um, so the ship has onboard tanks. Um, they come alongside the dock, and we had a, a temporary solution that we put in place until they were able to build a fueling facility. So we built it completely at our shop in uh, Flag Cryo uh, in Houston mm-hmm. and delivered it to uh, to the port. Mm-hmm. Um, went through the entire project uh, with the, all the authorities having jurisdiction to get all the necessary approvals and permits and so forth, um, as, well, as well as the engineering firm that, that facilitated that side of it. Um, and oh, right, new code. And manufactured mm-hmm. all the uh, all the tanks that were going to be used to, uh, all the transport tanks, which were the, the intermodal or ISO tanks um, that can be transported via land, rail, or sea. So it's just a little more flexible asset in that way. Um, but those were also specifically designed for this project. So they had special connections and everything to integrate with our fueling system. Yeah, that, that project um, was, uh, so ACT is truly an amazing company. It really is. This was a custom job, right? It was the first mobile bunkering solution ever approved by the U.S. Coast Guard for simultaneous operation of fueling the ship. And then also loading the ship with cargo. Mm-hmm. So it was a container a, ship. Container ship, yep. Now, is that a move that <clears throat> ships are making or is that just a one time oh, thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we're seeing definitely more conversions. I mean, nice. they're, they're getting pressure from regulation side as well to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to improve. Um, and it's a very feasible solution. When you say improve, you mean specifically improve their emissions? Emissions, yeah. 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 They've got to cut it. I should know, but I think it's like cut it by 50% or some, 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 uh, very, they have a very, very uh, ambitious goal by 2000, you know, in the very, very near future, but I think by 2030 or 
yeah, you know, like tomorrow, basically. Yeah, so they're, right. they're, um, and you don't just build those things, you know, in, in, in a few months, those types of projects are, um, you know, have a long cycle to, to not just start, but obviously finish, which is where ACT come into play in that one particular example where they were going to have their long-term uh, solution in place. So that's where the, the mobile bunkering uh, project that you referenced mm -hmm. uh, came into play. And we actually have one now that we're building for one of our customers out of California where they go uh, from the port of Long Beach to Hawaii, um, back and forth, delivering different types of cargo where they've got uh, two ships that were actually manufactured in Brownsville um, that are powered off natural gas. So, well, I think I mentioned that to you in the past. And then and, and we have the bunkering in, on the Great Lakes we'll mention here in a moment. Yeah, that's, you know, then that kind of coincides with my question. Number one, I'd, I want to know, what you guys expand on what's coming? Like what, what what you got what are you guys working on that's really cool that's mm -hmm. that's coming up? And you know, you, the Great Lakes thing, I I kinda know what it is, but I'm of course you're gonna explain it. I've always thought that the islands were the perfect customer for this. Like and I mean the Caribbean islands because oh, definitely. I had a friend, I spent a lot of time in Jamaica. Power and fuel is incredibly expensive mm -hmm. and hard to get there. And a solution there, a long term solution there is I mean, that's a bold agenda for for ACT, but it's an agenda, and it might be. But it is, and and it's definitely a market for us. Um, you know, there's some some big players out there uh, that are that are pretty heavily into it. They have been for probably about ten years or so, um, and and definitely everybody recognizes the opportunity, and uh, it it does work out. I mean, we have we have found good ways to bring uh, bring cheap fuel and power to these uh, to these places. So, uh, you know, it, it is much more on the small scale, and that's where we've kind of found uh, a lot more opportunity to bring LNG into places where it doesn't exist yet because, um, you know, and, I, and I'm sure it will go the same way with hydrogen. Um, you know, everybody's hesitant to make, uh, make the decision, uh, so you try to make it as easy as possible, mm -hmm. right? You, you line up financing. Um, you, is you hydrogen cleaner than natural gas? Oh, it's it's uh, that's a bit of a loaded question, but yes, I think in the end it will be <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's pitched as zero emissions, right? Um, you know, when you when you put hydrogen in a you know uh, fuel cell electric electric vehicle, um, you know what comes out the the tailpipe? Water, water, no emissions. You know, but how did you make the nitrogen? You know, how did you liquefy the nitrogen? So that's that's what Adam's uh, referring to in terms of a loaded question. But uh, ultimately, you know, that's that's why. Everybody is, is is headed that direction mm. because at, it at is the zero point emissions. of the end user, yeah. it's zero emission, right? Right. Right. So right. so current what I what I mean right. when I say that is currently a majority of the hydrogen produced is used with a process called steam methane reforming, and basically they take natural gas, which is a fuel, and they spend more energy to turn it into another fuel, which is hydrogen. So that's most of the hydrogen in the world. Um, that's the cheapest way to manufacture it currently. The sustainable and zero emission way is to use pure electricity only electrolysis uh, so basically you're running a battery in reverse uh, right you're putting electricity to something uh, that is basically uh, causing water molecules to split off and create hydrogen gas for you um, so it's very inefficient and energy intensive uh, and they're working on those technologies to improve them but uh, currently because of the economics, you know, and without, you know, enough subsidies that mm -hmm. that technology is still kind of in its infancy. So, uh, so the steam methane reforming is, is why it gets a bit of a black eye and whatever the energy grid is made up of. Right. So mm -hmm. if it's a 
you know, 25% coal, 25%, you know, nuclear, that's what the energy that's going in to make that fuel is. Um, and because hydrogen is one of the coldest cryogens at uh, minus 425 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in its liquid state, mm. it's one of the most energy intensive to liquefy. Mm -hmm. So the Great Lakes project, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, that, that was just one of uh, several others that we've done a little bit of a smaller project uh, in that uh, it's maybe smaller ships, uh, so, so not as much um, fuel is being transferred, so it's not a huge manifold with a bunch of pumps on it uh, like we had done at, at this other project and these other two projects in uh, California and, and Florida. Um, so the Great Lakes one, um, it's a little bit more along the lines of our mobile solutions where it's a, a mobile storage unit uh, or a transport trailer even that can haul liquid uh, converted in a special way to be able to do this bunkering or ship fueling operation. Outside of that, um, do you all future plans? What, what are some cool design? I mean, t tell me what you got going on for the future. I mean, that's that's also a loaded question. You know, the, um, <laughs> if you can't speak about no, it, no, I, I, it? I, I've, I've certainly, uh, you know, I, I know what, what my top five would be, mm -hmm. certainly. Um, you know, one is to obviously maintain, you know, what we're currently doing with our customers, supporting our customers, making sure that we have long-term resources and assets in place to uh, to make sure we're taking care of our current base. And then uh, Adam and I can be more free to, to go out there and, and identify new opportunities uh, within LNG and hydrogen, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's uh, certainly what, what we're all looking at. We've, uh, the, the hydrogen market is just going absolutely insane. Um, you know, we, we decided to get into it about two years ago, hot and heavy in R&D and, and are all in now. Um, why didn't we get into it three years ago? Because of demand. I mean, there's, there, there are, I want to, I'm trying to think what the uh, total production capacity for hydrogen in the U.S. is. It's, it's nothing. It has a chance to grow by four times over the next few years. Um, so there's no infrastructure for that, right? I mean, you're, you're having to create customers. Um, you're having to find customers. You know, the, the Storage. Storage, transportation, yeah, yeah. right? Um, you know, ACT is one of, I'll say, five hydrogen tank manufacturers globally. Right, so really, say five. Correct. Wow. So there, there are very few. Why is that? Is it just regulations? Well, there, there's been no, there's been no demand. Barrier okay. to market entry. Yeah. It, yeah, it's demand. that for sure. Barrier to market entry, but the demand. That's why we haven't done it. I mean, the, the demand wasn't there. I mean, we we could have done it ten years ago or yeah, nine years ago. Take a risk. Right. But it, you know, the cost for us or for ACT and 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 our our, our stud engineering team, um, is is you know, in the millions of dollars. So what's the ROI on that? So where do we need to spend our money uh, to where we're going to get the, the greatest and, and quickest return? And, and it was not hydrogen three years ago. Um, now it's different, you know, where you've got, it's the president's talking about it, you know, in his, in his speech to Congress, you've got, um, you know, you, you Google hydrogen and you can pull up, you know, the, the Amazons, the plug powers, um, you know, the Home Depots, you know, material handling, for example. There are, there are 40,000 uh, forklifts that are powered by hydrogen, mm. fuel, fuel cell, electric. Uh, well, more important than the president mentioning it, what you said earlier, the big money's in it. If the big oh, money's absolutely. in it, it's really going there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you would imagine there's a like reason a, that big money's in it. It doesn't hurt that the president's mentioning it. Correct. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, so it helps. Well, a lot of clues there. And right? the Paris Climate Accord. I mean, you know, all these countries sure. are on board with, you know, getting to, to, to zero emissions by 2050. You know, that's 
unfortunately going to be here quicker than probably it's pretty ambitious. ambitious. Yeah, yeah it, it is regardless ambitious. Of, yeah. of what the money uh, folks understand about the energy landscape. Um, if they decide, if Warren Buffett decides he's going to get behind it, you know, a bunch of other people are going to jump on on that bet. And so, you, you know, you just see this kind of growing conglomerate of, of an investment pool that is just uh, following that push and they don't want to miss out. So a lot of it, uh, good intention, you know, investment to to uh, improve emissions, you know, r- reduce emissions, uh, carbon uh, negative and, and all of that decarbonization. Here's a question um, I'd like to ask you guys. You know, you guys are in you know, advanced technology, right? This is, you guys are, like you said, you're working on hydrogen a few years before it was actually a thing or before it was a serious thing. Um, I'll give you a, a, a few seconds to think about it if you need it, but what is a bold idea that you have? If you, it's, It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a demand uh, or it doesn't have to be realistic, but what what is something you would do if, if you could really just do it? What would it be? I mean, we're doing it. We're doing it right now. Um, and that's the hydrogen, or is that just? It's it's everything what we do. I mean, mm. you know, the our boldest ideas we can't say now, honestly. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. really. But uh, you know, I truly mean it. You know, I'm one of the most fortunate people. We are some of the most fortunate people in the world to love what we do. You know, and and to be my my son. You know, Carter Carter Lowry. I'll I'll do a and Annalise Lowry to my daughter. I can't not name drop her i'll be in <laughs> deep you know what but uh he asks me and he says make you sure know, they download the podcast yeah. that's right that's right um he, follow, he follows you on instagram separately that's yeah. right separately of course yeah. Yeah. but he said you know i'm always talking hydrogen hydrogen natural gas hydrogen emissions you know and, and I, I love it and, and he's like man wow were you always so interested in the environment and i was like mm, actually no you know i got into manufacturing you know, and, and, you know, we manufactured for the oil field and I, I, I like manufacturing. I love it. In fact, you know, and then, you know, then natural gas came into play and then, you know, then we started ACT and then you kind of get into it and you learn about it and then hydrogen, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're just such big advocates for those types of technologies. And, and, you know, so, you know, it's where, where you start and where you end up sometimes is, is completely different, but, you know, some of the biggest ideas we have, you know, we're, we're on literally the tip of the spear you've got customers out there looking for new technologies to, to take these, to take hydrogen to end users. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the companies that you don't necessarily read about, you know, in the papers, although type it into Google and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You can't, you know, multiple companies, you know, trying to use hydrogen and there's no technology there. So for us, we have our hands full into one, go out to understand, you know, what those needs are two to identify whether or not ACT can support those types of projects. And then three, how are we going to execute and take those products to market? Um, so, you know, those, those are, those are big challenges and, and, and trying to connect those dots. Um, when well, we talk about it all the time, it, it's difficult. So this is know, a very personal question to me. Uh, how viable is a natural gas high speed rail system? I'd say that's pretty viable. Um, I mean, you, you talk about bold ideas. That's one that's been in the works for some time. Uh, that's my, not necessarily high speed, I want but that definitely so doing locomotives, um, yeah. you know, at least 15 years now. And there's a lot of regulatory um, pushback, um, kind of keeping that where it's at. Um, but it is moving forward, um, you know, and, and as far as high speed, I mean, yeah, I think that would be that would be great for this country. You know, um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity for for rail um, and, and 
obviously ships, you know, are starting to, to make the switch over long to, haul to trucks. LNG. Yeah, long haul mm-hmm. trucks. Um, it's, it's only natural well, to see rail take that up as well. You know, we're you know, we're in a pretty dynamic place right now in Texas and in, in, in mm-hmm. a place and time. I mean, it's right. wild what's going on right now. And I think a high-speed rail system in Texas would be unbelievable. I think almost everyone agrees on that. Um, you know, being able to do it with the natural gas that we can pull out of the ground here in mm-hmm. Texas, improve jobs mm-hmm. and you know, all these things, I just, I just think it would be great. Next question I want to ask you guys, is there a place for you in the space industry? He's here. We're, we're already there. <laughs> okay. I would think with Tell oxygen about and stuff probably. Uh, LNG as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hydrogen, of course. Uh, but really, you know, uh, we're, we're there with nitrogen and, and the systems that are required uh, to, to build and launch rockets. We supply equipment um, that, that support that. We've, uh, we've supplied whole turnkey systems uh, that are fully automated, you know, with the controls as well. That purge lines and, and and different different processes that are required again to 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 test the rockets off natural gas. Like they're doing a lot of rocket testing with natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm a space wow. nerd. You know, there's a lot of methane on Mars. You know, so that, you know they're talking about you know sending stuff ahead of time when they have a manned mission and then liquefying the methane out out of the atmosphere to to create a fuel source to return. Uh, hopefully to Earth. That's what y'all did, do. Did you just volunteer to go to Mars? Uh, I, I would do it. I would do it. I would, uh, you know, what, what a way to go out, right? I mean, that would be pretty epic. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd, I'd make it back, though, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, of course you it. would. I was just saying others would not. <laughs> Elon yeah, not said everyone's going to make it back, Justin, he, but... Uh, Elon, Elon said as much the other Stick day. next to me and we'll, we'll get back here, I promise. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be here, so you're good. <laughs> we'll, we'll build spaceships all day. I mean, we, we've really taken on almost anything, especially in the slow times when... We really had to take a hard look at almost anything within our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I really dug through all our all our archives and, and pulled out all the drawings of different things that we came up with, it's pretty impressive. We have designs for uh, hydrogen spheres for rockets nice. um, in place. So yeah, we're well. That's, you that's touched it. on something I didn't think of though when I asked that question. When I asked that question, I was sincerely thinking about the rocket ship, the the actual fuel tanks there. But you t- you touched on sending something there to uh, that is literally the movie The Martian. That's mm-hmm. what he's trying to do, convert that atmosphere into something usable for himself, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's something I didn't think of. That's pretty interesting. Well, you, you saw the uh the uh Perseverance rover on Mars, you know, the most recent yep. rover that, that made Amazing. it. Um they, they produced like ten grams of oxygen or something like that. I might have that yeah. the uh, the amount wrong, but uh it was the first time ever that uh that we as the human race have have uh, used resources from another planet for human consumption. Um, so it's, uh, that's pretty fascinating. You know, it's, uh, that's that all that is, is basically air separation, you know, like the, uh, like the plants that you mentioned earlier there, Adam, mm-hmm. but, uh, lots of different applications, whether it be for propulsion, uh, in space, uh, coming back from Mars or to get off earth on the launch pads, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see our type of equipment, um, whether it be pumps, tanks, trailers, uh, spherical fuel tanks for the, for the, uh, airborne applications, you'll see, you know, ACTs uh, technology all over those uh, those examples. Fantastic. So you guys are you know you're building the tanks to transport the cleaner fuel. Um, you're, you're making them safe. You're, you're you're helping provide a source of energy that's a lot you know a lot cleaner. You know, and that's what they and that's what Absolutely. the world's going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier, you know, offline in our conversation, you still have 200 people working for you. There's there's skilled welders. There's skilled people in the in this manufacturing facility. The best, uh, you know, 
this is a safety podcast as well as environmental. Uh, Justin had uh, asked you a question about your safety record. Uh, you know, I wanted to highlight yeah. that because that's amazing. What it was, it was. What you say? Well, it was specifically what I asked about was the the experience modifier rate. So mm -hmm. that specifically speaks to workers' compensation and you know severity of of incident mm -hmm. and and severity of injury injury. And so when I asked that question, uh, and and you you actually had your rate, which was impressive for a salesperson. Right. And that's <laughs> something I would applaud. <laughs> um, but what was it? Yeah, point, right. point six three. Point six three. Point six three. Yes. Sir. And and that number resonated with me because that's also the number that we have mm -hmm. at, at Wildcat. And from my understanding, that's as low as it can be for the industry classification that, that you have. And so when you you think about the the hundreds of thousands of square feet of warehouse that you have or manufacturing space that you have, uh, the majority of that with overhead crane and, and so and you're not moving like a, a pallet of bricks you're moving big heavy things mm -hmm. right and, and you talk about you know the the attaching of hemispherical heads and all of the stuff that you guys have uh that's impressive man that's a really really strong number and 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 speaks to a, a commitment outside of you know the the environmental gains that we're you're picking up from what you guys do inherently but just a, a commitment overall to the the well-being of of your community at act yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I'm the sales guy. I'm the only one that doesn't do anything. Right. So it's all, <laughs> it's, it's a testament to the people on the floor, um, you know, from, from, you know, the welders to the guys that's with the floor to their production supervisors, to their managers all the way to the top. And, you know, Adam and I always say everyone's in, in quality, you know, everyone's in safety and everyone's in sales. You know, everyone, everyone that works for a company needs to think that way. Um, if they truly love the company and, and, and are buying into that. So, Culture, you know, that's really about culture. And, you know, we, 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 uh, Adam and I speak all the time and, and Bob and Bob Arnold and Jack Smith are my two partners and so many more speak all the time about culture, you know, and, and driving the right culture into your, uh, into your employees. And that's all about accountability, you know, and, and, and leading by example, you know, and leading, leading with a good example, right? There, there's certainly some bad examples out there. So it's not all about leading by example, but, you know, what is leadership? You know, leadership to us is, setting your standards so damn high and then just striving to achieve your standards mm -hmm. and let everybody else watch you do it. And then that just permeates throughout the, the, uh, whether that be ACT or our families or our friend group, um, or, you know, any environment that, that you're out there with. And, uh, safety is obviously a big part of that. Quality is a big part of that. And, um, you know, we, we certainly haven't arrived, right. Um, you're, you're a safety guy, you know, that's just continuous process sure. improvement. And, uh, you know, making sure that when there's near misses out there or, uh, or injuries, you know, most of ours tend to be, you know, cuts on fingers we talked about, mm -hmm. um, or something in the eye, you know, mm -hmm. some small particulate, um, you know, and that's all about training, you know, and making sure that depending on, you know, what the job function is that you're doing that day, making sure that you've thought through that process, uh, safety in mind first, um, for pro project execution. So that's all culturally, culturally driven. That That's a great point. And you know, you guys are obviously in, you know, senior leadership in the company and, and, and that. So how does ACT from your perspective instill that type of workmanship and culture into that, you know, base level entry level employee, you know, to ensure that that person understands it just like you guys do. 
you know, uh, I want I want Adam to, to chime in on this as well, but uh, it, it kind of goes back to what I said about you know setting your own personal standards so high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to to try to tell somebody to do something, you know, and to to throw authority around to get something done. You know that 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 doesn't last. Something totally different to make someone want to do something for themselves. Yeah, and influence. Influence. So you know, taking ownership and and you know really. Owning, owning responsibilities, owning the, the quality of work and, and caring, you know, and, and if they see you care, then they care. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's just the contagious aspect of it mm-hmm. and, and, and closing the loop, you know, uh, you, yeah, delivering the message, you know, but, but how are you closing the loop with people if they think you're not going to follow up and, you know, see that they're doing what you ask them to do. So, you know, you, you do that with yourself, you do that with the, the people that you're leading and they want to catch on to that. Right. Well, it's it's evident, obviously, and and you know, statistics are one thing, right? And and that number is fantastic, but that number doesn't happen by accident, no pun intended, right. or pun intended, right. whatever. Right. Uh, but that that number is a, a real indicator of of culture, and so I, I just I, I'm glad that we got to highlight that because yeah. it is important to understand that that that's a, a great driver of success overall from a business perspective. Right. Uh, in general. So that's, that's a great, that's a great indicator. Yeah. Thank you. And of, mm-hmm. and of course the, the two safety people in the room are, we're looking for things like that. Uh, you know, <clears throat> thank you guys for coming on, uh, uh, Tim and Adam. Uh, this was an enlightening conversation. I actually thought I knew a lot. I didn't really. So, uh, I learned a lot in this, uh, the, the technology you guys have, the, the future pushing technology that you're, that you're doing, the, you're driving the future. Not a lot of people can do that in in their business, and that's a very exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're manufacturing here in Houston. What a, what a what a great thing! Uh, to, uh, great place to be at a great time. Uh, one, thank you for coming on and, and telling us what you're doing and and, and how, the positive things you're doing in the world. And also, thank you for the safety culture. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we appreciate that here. Obviously, Justin and I do. So that that was a great thing too. Um, how can um, how can our listeners learn more about your company? Yeah, visit us on our website. Uh, we'll, we'll be at uh, several trade shows coming up. Uh, Tim, you have the, the dates on those. Gotta yeah. is the most recent yeah. one um, coming up. We're at, we're at AppliedCrowdTech.com. Um, and then, yep, as I mentioned, we've got uh, a, a Gotta show, uh, Gas and Welder, uh, Welders Distributors of America, or Association, excuse me. Um, it's been a while since I've been to that show, mm-hmm. but... Uh, that's in uh, Nashville, May 25th, and then uh, June uh, 7th, 8th, and 9th, we are uh, participating in an LNG forum at the Doubletree here in Houston, uh, and then on the 9th, uh, the, the LH2 Hydrogen Forum um, there at the Doubletree, and, and uh, we have some speaking engagements and, and a booth, and it's going to be lots of fun. That's great that those are happening again yeah. after yeah. All, of the, <laughs> yeah. all of the not happening for the last year and some months yeah so it's, yeah, it's we, fantastic to get to it. have those again yeah mm-hmm. i agree with you well guys thanks for taking time away from building incredible things to talk to us appreciate it no our, our pleasure yeah our pleasure. justin and, and jeff thank y'all so much for for having us uh, and again congrats on a, on a fantastic podcast thank and you. we love what you guys are doing uh we love what you're promoting uh and we're happy to be a part of it today thank you thank you thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the show and accept the mission Please subscribe to the Mission Zero podcast on your preferred streaming service and be sure to give us a five-star review.